You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Man, it's good to be with you again tonight. Um, so the American Psychologist Association, the APA, says that 85 to 90% of you, 85 to 90% of students that go to the University of North Texas, Texas Women's University, North Central Texas College, or, or any other college in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area that I'm leaving out, um, and college students across the country, college students across the world, struggle or have an issue with this one thing. Uh, they actually have 15 characteristics of things that these type of people, 85% of you apparently, say repeatedly. So I'm, I'm gonna read a couple of them. I'm gonna see if you guys can pick up on what um, it is. So these, these are 15 things. 85% of you guys think this, um, or this is some characteristics of it. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I, I don't really know how to do it. I really don't wanna do this. It really doesn't make a difference if I put this off. No one really cares whether I do this or not. I'm really just not in the mood. I'm not gonna do it today. But I've always done it this way and it's gonna be so hard for me to change. (laughs) I love this one. I know I can pull it off at the last minute. I work better under pressure. You know, I just, okay, I have to stop there on that one. So I had this dude in high school, his name was Jeremy Presley. He would literally like run into our homeroom and have like this enormous project done, project like yet to be done. And he would rush in the last second. And I would always be like so mad and he'd always make a higher grade than me. He's like, cool, he's better under pressure. Hey, Jeremy, hope you're doing well. Um, number 10, I just can't seem to get started. Number 11, I just forgot. I couldn't do it. I was sick. I'm just waiting for like the best time to do it. I need some more time to think through this. Like this other opportunity that came up, like will never come up again. So if you're following along, what the APA is saying is that 85 to 90% of college students across the United States today struggle with procrastination. That if, and if I'm guessing, just guessing here, it is the uh, about fourth, fifth week of school. And uh, I think test week's coming up. Um, the projects and the papers, like they're, uh, they're kind of looming. And so I was just thinking tonight about how we are a culture, we are a group of people who are naturally procrastinators, that we have this tendency to want to push things off or to make, let's, let's worry about it then. Like not right now, like let's worry about it then. And I don't really wanna to have to deal with that like right here, but like maybe like over there. Like I don't wanna do this here, but, but maybe there. And so with our papers and our projects and our school, our school classes and our content, we are all always pushing to the, the then and the there and never really taking care of the here and the now. And so while that may be with school, but like what about in the other areas of our life when it comes to, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, starting to eat healthy for uh, the first time. Like maybe I should exchange that canes for like maybe a kale salad. Like, you know, I'm gonna start that like then. You know, like, like, I don't want to do that right now. Like, like, maybe, like, down the road, I'll start eating healthy. Or for the wonderful gym memberships that we always purchase, you know, and then forget about, like, ah, like, I'm going to take care of that then. Like, not right now. Like, I don't want to do that here. Like, 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 maybe there. Like, maybe when I finally graduate college, like, then I'll take care of that. 
Or, or maybe it isn't exactly procrastination, but it's kind of like the, the when it happens syndrome of like, man, when I finally graduate high school, like I'm finally like gonna feel alive. Or when I finally get that job that I've been dying for, like then, I, then everything will be okay. Or when I finally meet that special someone, like then I'm gonna be okay and he's gonna make my dreams happy. She's gonna complete me. And that's always then. And it's never now. And so what, I, uh, what I'm seeing with me and what I'm seeing with us is that we are a group of people focused on the then instead of focused on the now. We're the people that are focused on the there instead of the people that are focused on the here. And the danger with this, the, like the danger of this is that God wants to interact with us, wants to be with us right where we are. And I don't even want for us like to get this like too far out of the way. Is it like, listen to me, like tonight, like October 1st, 2018, like God wants to meet with you. He's not waiting till like down the road. He's not, he's not wanting it to be a then. He's not wanting it to be um, a there. He's wanting it to be a here and he's wanting it to be a now. They're like, tonight God wants to meet with you. Like tonight, God wants to speak to you. Tonight, God wants to do that because we do not what do not know what tomorrow holds. And so I want for us together tonight to, as always, look at the scriptures, but for us to be able to unlock the power of here and now. Because if we can do that together tonight, it can be the difference. Hear this. It can be the difference between a life well-lived and, quite frankly, a life, a life wasted that the power of the present can be the difference between a life well-lived and a life wasted. And like, I do not want for you guys to waste your lives. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, we are going to be in Acts chapter nine um, tonight. The next three weeks, we're gonna be um, tracking along in the same story in the book of Acts. Um, If you have been at all familiar with the Bible, um, this may be a a familiar story. It's gonna talk about this guy, Saul. So just a little background on the book of Acts. Um, This is written by the apostle Luke. Um, Luke gives us an entire historical account of the life of Jesus in the book of Luke. Um, And this is almost acting as a sequel um, or, or the following up plans of that gospel. Um, so this is gonna give us some, some, count, some context, some, some groundwork, some background info, because this really happened um, on the early church, on our heritage, our history. This is just a side note. I think this is fun. Is that um, Jesus um, died and rose again in 33 AD. Like we, ha- we know that date, that we know that's when it happened. And ever since then, there has been bodies of believers. There's been groups of people who say, I'm interested in this Jesus character. You know, they've always been doing three things. I think this is so cool. They have always been gathering together in houses or, or meeting together, and they have been looking over um, these scriptures, like Luke's account or Matthew's account. And they've been asking each other questions about them of how does this connect to us? How does this relate to us? And then they've been breaking bread or eating together, how sometimes we'll have communion, right? And then they also, they sing songs together. And so like, we are about to look into like our heritage of of the reason why we talk about the Bible, the reason why we sing these songs is this is what followers of Jesus have been doing since the very beginning. So 
If, you, if you're at all interested in how we can get out of the there and then to the here and now, Acts chapter nine, starting in verse one, I'm gonna read about um, six verses and we will go from there. So this is God's word for you tonight. And it says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Everyone say Damascus. That was just fun, okay. Um, So that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, say the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Verse six says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is God's word for us tonight. And what we're seeing here to summarize real quickly is that this guy named Saul is on his way to this city called Damascus. And so um, if you're thinking like, who's this Saul guy? If you've been reading the book of Acts, maybe you would have seen, we've seen him before. Um, If you were to flip back a page in chapter eight, verse three, it says this about Saul. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged out both men and women and put them in prison. And now we flip over to to chapter nine and Paul's doing the same thing. He's saying, I want to find out where these Christians are and I want to end them. I want to grab them from their homes and I want to put them in jail because I think that they are wrong. Like Paul was even witness to watching this guy named Stephen be killed by throwing rocks at him. Like, Like Paul is a bad man of jamma. Like he is not our friend. But here's the thing that's even more scary. He isn't just some lunatic. He isn't just some crazy guy, but like Saul is dangerous and smart. Like later on in the the Bible, it'll talk about how he's the Hebrew of Hebrews, how he was the most educated man in the land. Like he is evil with a purpose. He is like demeaning with like incredible cunning, like ability. Like Paul is a smart guy. And so he's making his way through killing Christians on his way to Damascus to kill more. And then God shows up on the scene. And if you would have asked me not reading the rest of that story, how would God respond to a guy like Saul? It would probably be pretty aggressive. Like like God probably would not deal lightly with a guy like this, who's killing his people, who's throwing them in prison. I would expect for God to deal very harshly with Saul. But but what does the scripture say is that suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And and what we see here is that God does not come with wrath and vengeance, but, but God calls him by name and calls him to something different. He calls him by name, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't come condemning and come harshly, but he does come calling him by name and inviting him to reflect on what he is doing. And what we're seeing here is that God wants to meet Saul right where he is. Saul wasn't in a church. 
He wasn't at Bible study. He was not praying. He wasn't fasting. He was on his way to do some harm. And God meets him right where he's at. And so tonight, yes, you do find yourself in a church tonight, but God is interested in meeting you right where you are. Saul was on his way to a city. He was, it literally says that he was journeying. Is that God is interested in meeting you on your journey. And maybe, man, maybe you feel like you met God in high school, but he completely left when you came to Denton. Is that God wants to meet you here, like in this city, tonight, like in this semester, like maybe it's your senior year and you feel like God's kind of gotten like foggy and faded. He wants to meet with you this year that we see that God wants to meet us right where we are, that he meets us along the way. Not there and then, but here and now. And because we have a God who wants to meet us right where we are, I think there is three essential exchanges or three trades that we need to make in our lives that will transform us from being a there and then people to being a here and now people. So if you're, if you're a note taker, um, here, here is um, the first of the three, and this is what I want us to see, is the first thing is we want to trade the illusion of your isolation for the reality of God's relation. I know that's a little bit wordy. We want to trade the illusion of your isolation for the intimacy of God's relation. Where, where am I seeing that um, in this text? So Paul is an incredibly educated man. He's, he's a Jewish scholar, if you will, and at this time, he believed that God was done talking. He believed that, that after um, the Old Testament had closed, that God was finished, that God had yet to come back to speak to his people, that, that God was done, that he was finished, that, that God was absent, he was far away, he was this, this God who was tucked away in the Old Testament, who was no longer going to interact with his people. And, and what does it say is that he heard a voice from heaven calling him by name. And God was speaking to Saul. He thought that God was absent, but God was calling him into intimacy of God's relation. And and so tonight, hear me, hear me, hear me, is that you may feel like God is far, but he is as close as your next breath. That he is there, that he is here. And, And for my follower of Jesus friends that are here tonight, man, there are many a times that I feel like God is so far and I feel like God isn't speaking and I can't hear him. And then I have to ask myself this question. Is my Bible closed? Sometimes I feel like, God, you are just, I, I need like a word from you. Like I need to hear from you. And I have to ask myself this question. Am I praying with my friends? And if the answer is no to those questions, then like I need to take a look in the mirror and stop trying to blame God for not hearing him. And so tonight, if you wanna be a not there and then Christian, but be a here and now Christian, feeling the presence of God, experiencing him in a powerful way, actually being a follower of Jesus and not just a horizontal Christianity, this is lame, I do this for fun thing, then like trade the illusion of God's absence for the intimacy of his relation. Like this book is alive and active. It's powerful and beautiful and it'll change everything. 
I'm telling you, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this later this weekend, but like, I remember sixth grade Cole, for some reason that I can't even remember, like would go to bed and would read this until I fell asleep. And it changed everything for me because I went from believing that God was absent and distant and I was just like a mess of a sixth grader to realizing that I'm a mess of a sixth grader and God's right in the mix. So like you wanna be a here and now Christian, like trade the illusion of God's absence for like the intimacy of his relationship. Open your Bible, pray with your friends. And there will be moments you may like, not like hear God's voice audibly, but may have some like more like supernatural type things. I'm not denying that can happen. Read the book, pray in community, trade absence for actual intimacy. I think the second exchange or the second trade that we can make as followers of Jesus to help us be here and now Christians versus there and then Christians is to trade, oh, this is crazy, the regret of your past for the promise of God's future. Like that, that we can trade the regret of the mess that we've been through and, and exchange it free of charge for God's future. That, that Paul or Saul at this point was this murdering, mean man who did everything he could to tear down Christians, to tear down other people and God comes and meets him right where he is and we're gonna find out later in, these, in the coming weeks and God exchanges this, this dirty, messy past, these full of regrets for a future that he couldn't even imagine. That like, I don't think I you would have believed me if I told you the same guy who was killing Christians left and right wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. The greatest missionary who has ever walked the planet started off as someone who killed Christians. God came out of nowhere and changed the one person that everyone was most afraid of. And so I'll say this, and sorry, I'm like getting kind of jarred tonight, is that there is nobody, and I say nobody, who is too far for the grace of God. And I mean that for the people in this room, but hear me, hear me, I mean the exact same thing for our friends in our school. The exact, there is not one person who is too far not someone who drinks too much, who smokes too much pot, who does too many opo opioids, not someone who looks at porn too much, not someone who's had an abortion, not someone who like continues to, that abuses people, who's been abused. Like we have the ability because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to trade the regrets of our past in exchange for the promise of God's future. That like there is no one who is too far. And like, if at all tonight you feel like you are stuck and like maybe one day God will think I'm clean enough. Maybe one day I'll be able to overcome my abuse. Maybe one day I'll be able to come overcome my pornography addiction. God is saying that tonight you can exchange that for God's promises. Like there is power in the cross of Jesus Christ. Like we don't gather here because it's fun. There's a lots of other things you could be doing on a Monday night. Like we're here because there was a man named Jesus Christ who lived between, um, who lived between the, like zero BC and 33 AD. He lived a perfect life, who died on a cross and rose again on the third day so that you and I could be in relationship with God. There is power there. So like there is a chance for us to actually stay, like to be sitting in this sin, to be where, where Saul was on that day 
and for God to call you by name. And hey, hey, I want you to exchange all of the crap. I could use lots of other words for crap, but I'm not going to, in, in exchange for God's promises of a future. And can I tell you this? His future is better. There is nothing sweeter than the future that God has for you. And maybe I'm just here tonight to tell one person. Can you hear me? Shh. That the future God has for you is so much better than what you're living in right now. And he's saying, calling you by name, I wanna meet with you tonight. And I want you to trade the regrets of your stinking past for the promises of my future because it's better. Whew, done, okay. First Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that exchange there, I need to clarify this point though, is that God does not just sweep our crap under the rug. Jesus wore it and Jesus bore it. That your sin, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Your sin is a really stinking big deal. Like there's no need to be playing with your sin because your sin is what put Jesus on the cross. It's been paid for. And the reason that we get God's promises, the reason we get his future is because we get what God paid for. Like, like growing up, um, I, my favorite thing, this is like the silliest example, I even think I was gonna tell this story, is that I, for Christmas, I would always ask my parents for a, a new baseball bat. And like every year, it'd be like the one gift I'd get would be this like dope baseball bat. John knows I'm talking about, those things ain't cheap. And, and the reason I had it is because my dad paid for it. The reason we can exchange crap for true life is because our God has paid for it. Period. End of story. All right, armor we go. I'm running out of time. Um, third exchange that we can make so that we can be here and now Christians versus there and then Christians is to trade the destination of your walking for the mission of God's calling. Trade the destination of your walking for the mission of God's calling. And what, what I mean by that is that we see that in the book of Acts here that, that Saul is on his way to Damascus, right? He's on his way there and he has one, one intent, one goal in mind, and that is for him to kill and to imprison, imprison Christians. That is his one intent in his way to, to Damascus, correct? If you notice, I would almost expect that when God meets him, that it would completely change his destination that it would completely change where he was going. It would, he, maybe he would like turn around and go to a completely different city in the Middle East, right? But like it, he still has him go to Damascus. But the thing is, is that his destination may not have changed, but his mission in that destination radically changed. And so God is not calling you to like necessarily, maybe he is, he's not necessarily calling you to go to India tomorrow. He's not saying, hey, I know you're like enrolled at, at NCTC, but like in tomorrow, like you should go to India. Like, don't hear, maybe he is and that's awesome, you should totally do it. But what I'm saying here is like that you go to NCTC tomorrow, not with the intention of just getting your degree, you go to NCTC tomorrow with the glory of God as the beacon of your heart, desiring and longing for the name and the fame of Jesus. That while your destination has not changed, your calling totally has. Paul is still going to Damascus, right? While he's still going to the same place, his reasoning for going has radically changed. 
And, and the fact that, oh, listen, 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 listen. God does not completely take away everyone's remembrance of Paul being a killer of Christians, but rather he leverages it for his name and for his glory. There is a purpose in your pain. Like God wants to use your past. Like he's not what what the enemy intended for evil, God intends for good. And like I, and that is like right now, I am clinging to that. That like these past three months for me and my family, that God is going to use it. He did not cause it, but he is going to use it. Like for his glory and for his name. That your pain, listen, whatever your pain is, abuse, addiction, like whether or not you caused it or someone else caused it, that God has the intention of leveraging it for his name. That your destination may not change, but your mission of God's calling has changed. Paul planned to go kill, and God flipped it in the moment for for Paul to go and to bring life. I want for us, CT College, to not be there and then Christians, but for us to be here and now Christians. I want for us to trade the illusion of isolation for the intimacy of God's relation. I want us to be able to trade the past, the regrets of our past for the promise of God's future. For us to be able to trade the destination of our walking for the mission of God's calling. Because God wants to meet you right where you are. Uh, I uh, flew back to Dallas today. Um, I was in Atlanta, and I was listening to a podcast, because that's what millennials do, right? Podcast. Um, and there was, they were talking about college students, because like, it's the best time ever. And there's this survey that just went out to new incoming freshmen. Um, and somewhere along the lines, there's this question that asks like, very specifically, um, like, are you a follower of Jesus? Like, I don't know, it's not like worded exactly like that, but it's not just like, hey, fill out your religion, tell us what you think. It's more so like very specific as in like, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a born again believer? Like, which is the fancy terms. And on that survey that they just got back, and bad, you guys can come up, by the way, I'm all over the place, get up here. Um, and on this survey, 80%, of the people marked no. 80% of the people said no. Like, I'm not a Christian. Like, I'm not, I'm not a born-again believer. Um, that means that eight out of the 10 people sitting in your classroom, eight out of the 10 people that are in your dorms, eight out of the 10 people that you sit next to in the cafeteria, statistically, are not followers of Jesus, have not, do not know and have not embraced this message of love and this message of payment and this message of sacrifice. And so when I say tonight, man, God wants to meet you where you are, I am talking about each and every one of you. And I am also talking about every single person at your school, that God is interested in meeting them right where they are. Because the reality is, is that the absence that you may feel of God's presence 
they feel it too. The regrets of your past that you continue to trip over and continue to slow you down and continue to force you to go to the then and there, they feel it too. And the destination of their walking is going to lead them into more pain and suffering than like we can imagine. And we feel that too. And the beauty of our God is that he wants to meet them right where they are so that they too can make the exchange of absence for presence, from regrets to promises and destination for calling. That God is in the business of making all things new and it didn't stop when this book closed. (laughs) Small little thing. The last last book, the book of the Bible is the book of Revelation and it's a prophecy, which means that it's yet to be fulfilled. Ladies and gentlemen, we are still living in Bible times because the story's not finished yet. And the story is gonna end one day. Woo, we don't talk about this enough. He is coming back. Because when he died on that cross and went into that, and went into that grave and left our sin there and he got up, is that he's still saying, I'm coming back to make all things new. Your heart, absolutely. But this earth is coming new too. And those broken relationships mended. Like, like, hear me, like pornography addiction, like no longer. A day is coming that he's coming back. But until he does, I want to be a here and now Christian who isn't walking in absence, but is walking in presence, who isn't walking in regret, but is walking in promise, and who isn't walking in a crappy destination, but is walking in calling. And that's my prayer for us, is that's who we would be, because God wants to meet us right where we are. And so we're gonna sing a song in just a second. It's gonna talk about God setting a fire in our souls, and I don't even plan on this working out well, but man, like that's what I want for us, is not for us just to be like, normal, boring American Christians who are like, yeah, this is cool. But whose lives have been transformed by the beauty and the power of the gospel and we can't keep our mouths shut. So Father God, would you come tonight and would you remind us, God, of what you did on the cross and what you did in the grave and how you left our sin and our brokenness there, God, that you are not distant, you are not far away, but you are close God, that our crap can be traded for righteousness. And God, that our aimless walking can be traded for meaningful, purposeful life. And God, just even the fact that you hear this prayer right now, God, that you're in this room right now, God, that you are with us. God, is crazy. Thank you, God. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for meeting us where we are. Thank you for for finding us on our journey and not making us try to find you. Lord, would you set a fire in us? 
Would you change us from the inside out? God, would you use us for your glory and for your name? God, this is all about you. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.